All right. So we get that very pleasant uh, reminder that uh, the recording is happening. So um, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cumulex Radio. I am Josh, joined as always by uh, Aaron, my co-host and friend. And uh, today we have an extra special guest. We have Matt Barnett, President CEO of PSA Network, uh, which is something that uh, Cumulex is pretty proud to be a part of. So Matt, for maybe those that aren't as familiar, could you give a, a little overview about what PSA Network has to offer? Because we often hear people that are maybe misled or confused and think you're you're just a buying group. Yeah, that's a great, and, and thanks for uh, having me join. So uh, PSA is uh, a company and organization that's been around for over 50 years in the security industry. And uh, what we are is a consortium of system integrators, both small and large, uh, that um, at each get some benefit uh, uniquely out of PSA. So uh, fundamentally, we act as a bank. We provide uh, credit and terms to the integrator channel, uh, which of course helps them with cash flow. Uh, we provide a lot of educational opportunities. So not only um, getting certified on products like Cumulex, but um, also you know other areas uh, for their organization, whether it's uh, sales or operations training, project management training, what have you. Uh, we have either our own training or we partner with third-party companies to offer training um, directly or through our learning management system online. Uh, we put on a lot of networking events. So we have, as an example, 17 different committees that meet every month uh, virtually to talk about issues. So, um, you know, operations, purchasing, finance, uh, HR, sales, leadership, next-gen leadership. Uh, so we moderate those uh, panel discussions and they talk about real-world uh, issues and how each of them are solving it. So it's very collaborative, even though uh, people on the calls may actually be uh, competitors in the marketplace. Uh, as they're part of the PSA network, they tend to be uh, very friendly and, and open and sharing in these environments. Of course, access to products. Again, um, we have about 180 different companies on our line card representing over 250 different uh, products, uh, product man product brand names from those companies. Uh, so um, if they need access to products, they may not uh, support uh, all the time or are new to, uh, typically we can get them product. And then services, we provide services to the integrator channel. So from uh, helping them redesign their website uh, to doing financial metrics survey and seeing how they compare to other integrators and their same size so they can see, you know, where they may be, uh, you know, doing better than other integrators in their size and areas where they might need to improve. So we provide a lot of services to the integrators as well. So we're, and all that to say, our mission is to um, ri rise the tide in the integration channel and everything we do is about supporting the integrators who own PSA. No, that's fantastic. And, you know, I know our founders have a, a long uh, history and relationship, you know, with with PSA and always found it to be very, very valuable. So and and obviously that is your membership. You're here to represent the integrators. And, and we often talk here uh, pretty often about how I came from that side of the fence about 10 years ago. So I'm always very interested in the integrators point of view and you know, we, we've been hearing a little bit over the last year or two, uh, maybe some conversation about cloud, which obviously is very important to us. We're, we're a cloud-based product. And there's been some discussion about, you know, some maybe questioning if the cloud will be negative 
for the integrator if this is going to be a bad thing. So, I mean, what is your perspective uh, for your membership? Should they be embracing cloud or is this going to be a problem for them? Well, I think there's always uh, pros and cons to any situation, but my general feeling is uh, like when our personal lives, everything we do is is on an iPhone uh, or on some type of mobile device or uh, or iPad type of device, and you're basically working in the cloud 100% of the time. And so from a technology standpoint in this industry, outside of some edge case examples, like regulated industries that uh, that have to have on, you know, on-premise or firewalled systems. Um, you know, we're going to look back in 10 years and wonder why we did it any other way. Um, is my personal feeling. So we're promoting, you know, the sale of subscriptions and managed service type products to the membership. PSAs probably 15 years in now to promoting uh, these types of products. Uh, and it seems like now like every company that comes into PSA to talk to us has got some type of cloud or subscription-based product. So um, it's definitely the, the trend and where the industry is going. Again, there's always some risk that there'll be some companies that decide that they're not going to support the channel anymore and um, potentially you're going to sell direct and they have an install base of cloud-based products. It certainly is a, a lot easier to flip the switch and, and deal with them directly. But I think ultimately sanity prevails in these situations where they need to have... Uh, companies that can roll trucks and have technicians that understand how these systems work. And um, I think that ultimately is going to keep uh, kind of the, the balance in the, in, in the industry between uh, whether it's cloud or any other technology that you need to have integrators that can go out and fix problems. I would agree. You know, we've talked about this here on, on previous episodes that no matter the technology, the customers still need someone they can rely on to take care of them. Um, that's right even even something as simple as hanging the cameras running the wires doing all that installation work if you're an accounting firm uh you're not interested in getting on a ladder and doing that kind of work nor do they have the tools or the expertise so uh, exactly yeah i personally disagree with any thought that the no matter what technology that the integrator goes away i think that's sometimes maybe a bit of sensationalism or <laughs> um yeah, and the reality is there's some uh, not necessarily cloud companies that in this industry that are now being, I'm being told that they're selling direct to certain end users. And, you know, that's usually the death spiral when uh, companies start going around their channel and selling to end users directly. And a lot of big end users want to be treated differently. Uh, but if you stop supporting the channel in those cases and sell around the channel uh, it usually has repercussions. And, and so hopefully that doesn't become a trend. It doesn't matter if it's cloud or not. They're, they're doing it regardless of the technology. Man, I used to deal a lot with telecommunications, phone systems, and audiovisual and things like that, which, of course, you have a large audiovisual component there. But it seems like there's always this cycle of, I, I guess, threat or discussion or some that like to experiment with the direct to end user model. And as you say, that's either, I don't know if it's an indication of the death spiral or if it creates one, but that, that just never works. And, you know, I think maybe even an end user that thinks that they, maybe they're a larger firm and they have lots of capability, they still typically find that they just don't have the resources, you know, to manage that effort. And it's just, it always becomes an issue. And then in our view, we focus on the channel. I think you create mistrust. You know, maybe there's a reason you're going straight to end user. Maybe those with knowledge and expertise are not 
supporting you for a reason. <laughs> We're maybe addressing it a different way, but um, no, that's very interesting. So something I noticed when, you know, the year of COVID happened and, and all of these trainings moved online, um, I went from normally not being able to attend your conferences that I hear so many good things about, and I was atten- in attendance. And that was for somebody that I've been in IT and telephony, as well as security, telecom, all these things. And, you know, this was really the first time I really heard an organization pushing in a detailed way for managed services and trying to educate and inform uh, their member base. And I was really impressed with that. So that's now been about four years uh, since that occurred. Where do you think we stand now as an industry in terms of moving towards a managed services model and and adopting that type of a path? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the same or similar to the adoption of, of cloud products in general, right? I think it's it's still maybe high single digits to low double digits in, in where we are as an industry. And, you know, it tends to be a very conservative, slow moving industry by nature. So I think there's still a long way to go. You know, most of the, the main integrators are still very much turnkey construction type operations. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, a lot of end users, you know, they haven't really bought into buying the entire security package as a, as a cloud solution or as a managed service at this point, because you're dealing with facilities people, and that's just not part of the vernacular there yet. Uh, if you're dealing with the IT folks, and that's like a no-brainer. But right. um, so I think there's still a long way to go, and we continue to pound the drum here. Uh, and largely, you know, it's a it's a change in 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 how you manage your business, and um, and that's what we're trying to educate our membership on. Is you know, from a financial perspective, it's a big difference between you know, doing the million dollar turnkey project or selling uh, subscription services and, you know, having to amortize that over three to five years and how you account for it is different and how you finance it is different. And so uh, we're trying to, you know, educate and also provide solutions to help them get over that hump. Yeah, it makes sense. And do you think that, uh, you know, our industry is unique compared to maybe some others? you know, and that has impacted uh, their ability to to adopt that business model? I think, you know, every industry, I think, wants to think they're unique in some way. Um, you, know, you know, I think technology, it's, it's just hard because there's a lot of moving pieces with what we're selling. It's not like we're selling a, a car. It's you have a couple of versions of the car, but that's pretty much it. And you can lease the car for three or five years or what have you. I mean, there's a lot of different pieces and parts that the integrators have to put together mm-hmm. and sell. And um, while manufa- some manufacturers may support that type of sale, others don't yet. And so there's just a lot of different things to take into account there. Most of the integrators are not financing these deals themselves. So they're either the manufacturer is providing some type of financing or they're using a third party financing company. Uh, so it's something that PSA is looking at whether we should be doing that ourselves or not, um, but and, and making it agnostic. We could do it for any product we sell, and um, and offer that as a service. But there's still you know ways to go there. Again, I think still you know 85 to 90 percent of the sales are not being sold as managed services as of today, at least with our membership. So uh, there's still work to be done there. Yeah, no question. I mean. 
hopefully this isn't an, an odd question you weren't ready for, but do you think that there's anything that us, the manufacturers, could be doing better or different to make that process easier? Yeah, I mean, I think one example, I was talking to my predecessor here at PSA um, about it. He bought an alarm company 40 years ago. The, um, the, the, it was a franchise, and the, the franchise owner uh, would come in and actually train you on how to sell managed services, with subscriptions and managed services, which the alarm industry has been doing for 50 years now. And so I think uh, just in a general concept, you know, the integrators need help on how to sell cloud and how to answer those questions and the objections. And even things like they're hearing a lot of, they, they need SOC 2 compliance. And, you know, like, what is that? Like, you know, bigger companies are requiring the integrators to be SOC 2 compliant. And, you know, that's not something you apply for online and get a certificate like a marriage license. This is something you need to um, you know, spend some time and effort to get in compliance with if you're going to sell to those major major organizations. So, uh, so yeah, there's there's things to learn, and I think manufacturers can help in the the education and training journey that integrators need to go through in order to successfully sell your product. But also, to, you know, what do they need to do to to really convert their business over? I mean, that's that's been an observation I've made a few trade show cycles ago where I was sort of hearing what was discussed on the main stage at this particular event. And it kind of hit me. I, I thought, you know, if I think back to when I was an integrator, I would say, okay, this is the 500th person telling me that I need to change or die. And the 500th person who doesn't really have one darn suggestion for me and how to do that. So <laughs> I, I think that's yeah. a fair Yeah. We, uh, I heard that my first, I mean, becoming a PSA tech for, for, 30 years, but the the first one when I was in charge here, we had the same panel up there talking about, uh, you know, you got to convert your business and here are the reasons why. And somebody raised their hand and said, I've been hearing this pitch for 10 years. I don't want to, I believe it. I need to do it. I need help. Yeah. And that was the light bulb moment for me. We um, hired Chris Peterson in the Vector firm to do that mm -hmm. MSP training for our membership it's a six month class. We're just finished our fourth um, uh, cohort of those training. There's 10 to 12 companies per six months. And again, they use their training bucks, uh, PSA training bucks to pay for the class. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people saying you got to do it, but then you say, well, how do I do it? I don't, I don't know. So what PSA did was partner with a third party company to provide that education um, both in a group setting as well as individualized for the integrator to have a playbook at the end of that six months on how they're going to move forward and sell managed services. No, that's, that's fantastic. And again, I'd like I said, I was really impressed, you know, even four years ago, just hearing the amount of, of discussion there. And I, I don't remember if it was you or your, your predecessor, I think that was Mr. Bozeman that was discussing um, the fact that you even have several of your members that kind of get together on their own, you know, just sort of organically start have gotten together and started having regular discussions on, you know, what their lessons learned are, you know, trying to find that transition and, and try to benefit each other. So, again, just always hear wonderful things, you know, about what it means to be a member there. And 
I feel like I've hogged all the airtime from from Aaron again. I know Aaron, did you have some questions? I know you you interact with integrators do. every day, and you know you're getting questions about PSA. So I think, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, part of it is, uh, you know, we we deal with a lot of smaller integrators that have just you know regional reach, and you know PSA is a term that's often thrown around when you think about you know how do I extend my reach to wider markets or I have a very large customer um, that you know, I have trouble supporting, you know, PSA comes to mind, but I don't think I do you guys justice for kind of conveying how your partner network works. So, I mean, honestly, if you could kind of start from the top, tell like a integrator out there listening, how, how do I join PSA network? Sorry about the dogs in the background. And then, um, what do I do? Um, you know, to kind of take advantage of, of that network. Yeah, it's a great question, Aaron. So, um, you know, the easiest thing, you can go to our website and click on uh, uh, join PSA right at the top of the screen. And so there's a little form to fill out where you can send us an email and we'll have somebody reach out and contact you. So, you know, we do have, an you know, what an ideal PSA member uh, looks like. You're typically in business for five years or longer and have, you know, $3 million a year in annual revenue. Um, not that in co smaller companies are any, you know, uh, better or worse off. It's just because we're providing this financial, we're acting as a bank in essence. We, we need to have some assurance that the company is going to be around, you know, for a while because we are taking the financial risk. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, we, we don't have an arduous process to join. We're not really, we're, we are an exclusive membership. Um, so we're not looking to sign up you know, everybody that, that is able to install a security product. Um, but we really want companies that feel that the benefit of PSA, that they're going to contribute uh, as much as they take from PSA. And that's part of the networking, you know, coming to our events, learning from others. And I think really, if I'm an entrepreneur, uh, the fact that you could pick up the phone and talk to, you know, one of 250 companies in the U.S. and ask a question like, Hey, I'm having this issue. Have you ever run into this? Like, where are you going to get that kind of a sounding board um, as an entrepreneur in the security integration business? And again, sometimes these guys are competitors, but they feel like there's so much business out there uh, that, you know, it's not going to cause a problem. We do have, even if they're not PSA and they have a customer outside of their home territory, they can go to our website. We have a Google map on there that has every PSA owner member and even um, contractors on there to be subs for uh, for work. So they can they can contact uh, any of our members if they need help on a project um, that's not in their backyard instead of flying people around to go install something, you know, they should feel free to contact a PSA member and ask them if they're interested in and in doing some work with them. And maybe our membership is our best sales uh, arm. So maybe they can talk to them about joining up excellent yeah no it's great info yeah there you that's, go. that's pretty much probably the most asked question i was trying to go through my uh my list here i think we covered all the topics um what what is a training buck you mentioned that earlier right? and that's the first time i've heard oh. that term as well yeah it's a good question so for every dollar of product that an integrator buys through psa we put uh roughly 10 cents uh, into a fund for that integrator to send people to training, whether that's uh, to our event, uh, we cover you know the airfare, the registration, 
uh, costs for the event or to um, your, your training classes. So if they wanted to fly to Indianapolis to get certified on Cumulex, um, they can apply to have uh, reimbursement for the flights and hotel and um, cost of the class if there is one. So this fund is set up to, again, anything we can do to help the integrators be more successful. And obviously training on the products is ultimately very important if so that they don't, you know, they can install the product uh, uh, quickly and easily and it works. Um, it makes them more successful as an integrator and hopefully they continue to grow and they continue to buy more product from PSA. So it's self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's, it's basically a fund that's set aside for every, every dollar they buy through PSA, we put money in a, in a bucket for them. And, uh, and again, whatever's left over at the end of the year, as far as if we make any profit, which is the only company I've ever worked for that has no ambition of making money, uh, we, we pay back the membership in the form of a dividend check and they actually accumulate um, equity in PSA. So if they ever leave PSA, they get cashed out of their equity in PSA and that could be seven figure numbers. So it's, um, you know, it could be a substantial amount of money. No, that's yeah, great. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, those were really great questions, Aaron. I should probably let you talk a little more often. I'm, <laughs> you know, all it takes is a dark room and some neon signs, and I think I'm a star. So, <laughs> well, Matt, I know you're a very, very busy person. So it actually it means a lot to me uh, that you're willing to come on today and and talk with us and. You know, if you're an integrator out there, and you know, we've talked a lot about the plight of the integrator um, and how, you know, how we can help them succeed and do better. Joining PSA is a, is a really great route to take. Um, I just can't. I mean, I honestly, uh, you know, dealing with PSA over the last four or five years, I kind of feel silly, you know, that I did not partake in that when I was an integrator. So, um, and I know with your your wisdom, your experience, I mean, everybody knows Matt and and where he's been and what he's done. You know, I think PSA made a good, good choice bringing you on. And I think it's pretty exciting to see uh, all that you're doing there. So, so thanks again for coming on and uh, for everybody else. Thanks again for watching and we will see you next time. Thanks guys.